0: What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode 289, 289. Uh, I'm Steve, one of the co-hosts. I'm here with, as always... I'm Ron. And I'm John. Yes. That is the, 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 the order that we always go in, and we've gotten great at it.
1: Hey, and Steve, it why is 10 afraid of 2? Be Because uh, I don't know. Because 289. Oh, two, it's, it's the 289. That's it. Uh, Classic
0: joke. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I didn't kick it off with that. It's... It's like most people know that joke, so I should have used it. Um, it's definitely been, worth interrupting your intro, though. It, it is. definitely it, I, I don't fault you for that. I'm <laughs> glad I you did. I'd have it no other eight, way. Eight, yeah. The math carries like it. if you carry. Yeah. It's going to be a big episode, man. This is like a different kind of episode only because we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, reviews, basically movies, t- uh, a series that we got access to that we were able to see that kind of all come out. This week, uh, when this podcast releases on Friday the 5th, uh, most of them come out that day. There's a series that we're going to be talking about that came out on Wednesday the 3rd, the day that we're actually recording this. Um, but yeah, we're not going to have any news today. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about stuff that we've uh, kind of missed over the last week between the episodes coming out. Um, we're going to just jump in and talk about a nice variety of shows and movies that are coming out across a couple different platforms. Some theatrical, some streaming. Um and yeah, just kind of go from there. You guys, Are you guys ready to do this? I'm ready. ready. Is there any preference to how we start this? Do you want to go with the show first, movie? What you up, do you want to mix it up? Let's go
2: with the Frank Grillo first, man. Let's go with the... With the Frank Grillo. The Frank Grillo movie.
0: Yeah, so this is a movie that's kind of been uh, long, gestating, kind of bounced around a little bit. I've seen a lot of information about Boss Level. This is a movie directed by Joe Carnahan, Frank Grillo, Mel Gibson, Naomi Watts. Um, I've I don't know. Have you got you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, haven't you seen a lot about this, like over the year or year and a half prior to even pandemic, about this movie being shot and they've been shopping it around a lot, um, but it's finally found a home. Um, it was purchased, I guess, maybe a month and a half ago by Hulu, um, and it's coming out today uh, on Hulu for streaming. Anybody that has access to Hulu, it is in your app as you hear this episode if you haven't already watched it. But, uh, yeah, this is another movie. It's kind of like a guy stuck in a time loop. It seems like, you know, we've kind of seen a few of them this year or the last couple of years. Um, and it's got Groundhog one, a little Day little is of now a genre. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, you can, you can, that's that's going to be a new category eventually on either Hulu, Netflix, one of those rows. It's going to be like Groundhog's Day ish. And yep. then it's going to be all these movies. It's going to be Palm Spring. It's going to be this. It's going to be uh, Edge of Tomorrow. It's going to be. Uh, Groundhog's Day. It's gonna, you know,
1: whatever else. One of the things that this movie does that's very similar to to Palm Springs, which I had just rewatched because my wife hadn't seen it, and I saw that again. And I'm, that movie is holding up like Game Night so for bad. me. So I mean, it's it, yeah. right in that spot of like funny and great characters and it's actors that you like to see doing fun stuff together. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons is great in it. Um, but I, one of the things it does that I I liked about palm springs and i guess i liked about this movie too i was i, I don't know boss level was eh for me in a lot of ways but i'm sure we'll get to all the our feelings about it sure. but i do I, I like the idea of starting this story and that groundhog day has already been that movie's revered as like a, a near perfect movie by some folks and at least a classic by others i like that these movies now sort of drop you in the concept has already been rolling yes. the character already knows they're in a loop
0: they're in the rules. And yeah.
1: um, it's really cool the way that's kind of revealed in Palm Springs. And I would say that much of the humor in Boss Level is based around uh, Frank Grillo's character kind of explaining to you the, the situation, which, yes, which you come to see he's been through many times. And I just think that's a fun way to jump into one of these stories. Um I thought Edge of Tomorrow, which was another one, did a great job of of setting you up for it. But I think even that one had a fun thing. Once you get the rhythm going, you realize how, like time is passing in a strange way for our protagonist, um, and it's just an interesting thing about learning an, a, a, l- a little detail and then going a little further the next time. I don't know. It, it. The structure of it very quickly became clear, and I think the one, I don't know if it's a twist. Is it a twist to say what this movie most closely resembles, or is it, uh, I, can, I guess I can beep this out if you guys think this is a spoiler, but that this is like a video game, right?
0: Well, yeah. So in, in the intro, I was going to say, like, the title of the movie is, like, literally talking about you know a a sequence of of levels of um, right challenges. i guess the name gives it away so yeah it, yeah in in any video game any you know uh you know even 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 movies that aren't really like this like you know the raid you know where you're literally going up literal levels of an apartment complex to get to the boss like this right. movie really is doubling down on the concept from video games and it has that that bit of a vibe to it too like you said when the movie starts you really jump in and he's kind of talking about what attempt he's on already of this this mission this challenge that we learn about as the movie rolls but it is something where you're seeing you know there's all these assassins coming at him and it it even plays into the the secondary and tertiary villains of video games where you're like that's not the real boss and you know the real boss is in this case you know i guess mel gibson's character but i mean it does it, it I think in general like I'll just start like I I, I like the movie I thought it was a lot of fun I I do really like Frank Grillo in general like I feel like he is like you know whether it's uh, a small role in Captain America uh, or the, the, the kingdom series um, most of the things warrior like I liked him in most things I see him in but this kind of more down the down the middle like action you know with some humor which I think he plays pretty well through the movie Um i I kind of feel like it was kind of lean and hour and thirty minutes like just kind of rolled for me and i I thought it was kind of fun um it was do, fun it was definitely i do fun. think I do think it's kind of cool though how like in his attempts, like we roll forwards and backwards, they're so not always sequential right. and like we learn more about the foes that he comes up against and like the information that he finds through all these attempts so I did think that was kind of cool um and yeah, I don't know overall, I thought this was a pretty fun movie, and I think you know especially for Hulu. It seems like a nice program choice for them because I don't think they have a lot of these kinds of movies, especially what they call like Hulu originals. Like I don't see these kinds of like just fun action movies. What did you uh, – what, what about you, Ronald? What did you think of it?
2: I wish um, – so if I uh, were to put this in video game fun, I'd, I'd say this ain't it in big font flashing. Um, Frank Grillo is a great character actor. I really like seeing him in stuff. Um can he carry a movie? Is a very strong question. I thought as I approached this, I think one of the problems I have with him being in it is, um, he's he's a tough guy. Like I believe that he's a tough guy. I don't believe any of the humor, and mm. I don't believe any of the other. Like everything he does falls f- falls flat. And I think yes. that what what happens is the people around him are kind of funny. Like the. The Guan Yi thing, the yeah. that thing that kept happening um my problem is that this genre is starting to become a standard in our in our, in our cinematic yeah. lexicon, the groundhog day yeah. you know, like you were saying this ain't it this ain't when I think about palm you, you're talking about Palm Springs was the last one that we saw that was like this um happy death day, which was also a great one the sequel. Even yeah. even solid, it wasn't as good as the first. And then, if we're talking about putting this in in the same genre, I would I would say that this isn't something was missing about. You know what I did? I did love the little kid. I thought the little kid was yeah, he was good, adorable man. He like he, he was really good. Something about Frank Grillo and him together was is something that got me kind of like. That works.
1: That that's that his best stuff in the movie was yes. with the kid yeah. because he yeah. was, he was it was almost like you felt Frank Grillo the actor reaching out and being warm with the kid like when he was talking yes. to him and asking him questions and stuff. Oh, man. It, it actually felt sweet. Um, yeah. um, but I agree with you, Ronald. That like I think I, I might have had a hard time putting my finger on it, but you're right that it was that sort of aspects of Frank Grillo's like the humor. It feels like. You know how you've talked a lot Ronald about how like The Rock is a guy who can like break people in half and so yep. there's a certain dynamic that a guy like that has with people. Yeah. I think Frank Grillo's he might be a little bit more low rent, he's more of a B movie guy and I I mean I like Frank Grillo a lot. I think no, I, I got similar to what got you said you. his energy is there. That's not a knock on him. I love guys who can do that kind of down the middle action or cheap Cheap is such a bad word, but you guys yeah. seem to know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. He can be like that sort of B-level version of what we consider to be an action star. But sometimes those guys have, because they've got the physicality and because they're cut and because they can kind of act, it's almost like Gina Carano syndrome or something where it's like they don't quite have the total package uh, in terms of like delivering everything. And I think Frank Grillo is a much more convincing actor than a lot of those kind of muscular people that show up, and that's the main thing you know about him. Mm-hmm. But I think the humor is really where it fell... Kind of flat, like it's like the guy who it's almost like if this guy were in the room, everybody would be laughing because they'd be like, "Oh, for a for a muscle head, he's a pretty funny guy." But yeah. for a, like for me, for like a Joe Carnahan movie, I think that's where my sort of meh feelings about the movie came from is because of Joe Carnahan in the past. He's, he's all over the place, you know. Yeah. But he's definitely. knocked it out of the park before. And so I was fully thinking this movie might be this visceral shot to the gut that was just going to knock me down. And it never felt quite like that. It was like it was leaning on the humor so much that the humor kind of falling flat. It did make me wonder, like, what other actor would have the charisma to have made that humor work, you know, because it, that really is kind of at the center of the movie. I think you're 100 percent, Ronald. It's, it's that part of the performance that was off for me. Because otherwise, it does have elements of just a fun B-movie, and it is lean. Um, and I think we all like the 90-minute uh, action yeah, movie. You know, that's...
2: So, go ahead, Steve. It looks like you were about to say something.
1: No, no. I mean,
0: yeah, I, I definitely was more positive on it than you guys. I mean, I, I got, I can definitely vibe with the the humor stuff, because some of it doesn't work. But, um, I don't know. I think I just looked past a lot of it, because I kind of... I guess I maybe had a more... maybe had lower expectations, or like, I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe a, a more of a... A guess on what the movie would be from like the trailer or even what I had heard from people who had seen it. Um,
1: I went in totally cold. All I yeah, knew he, was the poster and Joe right, Carnahan, right? And like, I was, the, oh, what's Mel Gibson yeah, he's doing all in this over movie? the place? Yeah. And yeah. we should talk uh, about that too.
2: The Mel Gibson part, <laughs> you know what? I realized, um, I like Frank Grillo, um, Russo brothers know how to use him. Yeah, I, th- I figured out what it is. It's not the movie, I mean, it's not him, it's the movie. It's like you remember how he was in, like uh, was it Civil War the, la- the when he was just like ah just kind of like an yeah. asshole that was very snarky and like well, particularly think- in Winter Soldier is when he had yes. the most to do when he, he was things. really yeah. Winter Soldier yeah. and then yeah. Civil War like the follow up to you know he was just kind of a madman in the first five minutes of that movie and, yeah, and, then, and and then gone yeah and then gone but he was great but you know here's the thing I think that he can pull off something like that you know what he would be great on. I think he'd be really good on the boys. I think that Frank Grillo has the thing. It's just you have to write for a person like Frank Grillo, which means that like, like I think he's capable of funny, but in it's context,
1: not- kind of. It's like it's not going to come from yeah. him being such a funny guy. It's going to come more from like, yeah. again the way the Russo brothers. It's used reactionary. Him. Like you felt his kind of rage and his uh, you know towards
2: like Captain America, so to speak, and that and becomes kind of funny. In huh? Kingdom, he was funny in Kingdom. Yeah. Like, there were parts where, like, yeah. he was reacting to someone's craziness, and he'd say something like, oh, shit, I didn't think that was gonna happen. He was, it good was in like,
1: his Purge movie, too. I mean, as yeah, far he was as good that in the Purge guy, movie. He was good in
2: the gray. Yeah. The fucking gray, Jesus. man. Don't tell me I wasn't thinking about
1: the gray. When this movie I know. started, I was like, Joe Carnahan, Frank Grillo, I know. bring it on, boys. Uh, when you said that, I was like, oh, John thought it might be the gray. I thought it might. Or I thought it might be even... Um, <laughs> like NARC. Uh, NARC, or, or, or what's the, Nark? One, Nark? the Oh, my God. The one God, that was famous and had... All, yeah, even that one, I thought, had like a sleazy... And this was close, maybe, to that, but I still felt yeah, like it was yeah, a yeah. little bit tidy and clean for that. Yeah. It didn't have that kind of sleazy grit that that, that smoking aces had. Um, I did like, and I referred to this earlier, though, I really did like the video game aspect in the sense of when it becomes clear that he's going to get just a little bit further each time and yeah. figure out what he sh- There's that one scene where he's entering the building, and it's very video game where it's like, nope, he dies, but he knows next time to do this. Oh, nope, that didn't work. Well, now he knows to do this. Oh, now that didn't work. Now, And it's like, it was cool seeing them reveal that. Um, right. uh, the, there was one thing, that, though, that really made me laugh uh, like at the movie is... Late in the film, after various things have been done, where it's very clear that the bad guys are doing everything they can to stop him. And they, they're they very involved in his life, and they've, they've murdered someone close to him. There's a part where he says, like, three quarters into the movie, he's like, it, I never thought they'd go after my son. And it was just like, <laughs> what in the... F- fuck made you think that they wouldn't like go out. like your son's alone downtown you know it just was a funny moment where he's like wait a minute my son I've got to get across town and it just felt like wouldn't that be the first thing this character would have thought of right, yeah. I feel like there were lots of little logic holes like that that made the movie feel like it was just kind of running on its own you know it's running on adrenaline and momentum and I do think it gets a few scores like you said the stuff with the the sword fighter and how he builds up to that and like the long lead up to that the, the gag didn't work because Grillo I don't think in that last moment delivered his the punchline to that whole storyline very well. But the lead up with um, a certain the actress eye. that shows up in this, that was just a really fun, like a use of what Palm Springs does well, what yeah. Groundhog, Days does, Groundhog Day does well, which is like, show you how, oh, this person has a lot of time within this world mm. because it's repeating to learn something, to pick up a skill, to become better. So I thought it was cool to see how that situation built but yeah that was maybe one of the best payoffs and i really think it was lacking that punch at the end i feel like whatever whatever that the way he kind of threw her line back at her just was not i don't know i, I thought the scene very like funny.
0: towards the end of the film like well, first off the guy that comes up in the helicopter like every time like uh gronkowski Like when he, when that last time when he like runs out and jumps at the helicopter (laughs) and Grinkowski delivers the line, like, did he just jump out of the window? (laughs) Like he's not sure, but he's actually like under the helicopter. I thought that whole scene was pretty funny. I like that. Just just like, just like how eventually like, you know, he's just like, I'm not even going to fight this guy. I'm just going to jump out the window to try to get in the helicopter. (laughs) It (laughs) did have
2: some parts, man. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I, I think if you subscribe to Hulu,
0: I, I'm I'm recommending it personally. I yeah, think it's a silly, I'd fun action it. movie. Uh, I do see the holes in it that you guys are discussing, and uh, but I think it's also probably why it didn't come out for a long time, and you know yeah. ended up selling to Hulu. Um, it was supposed to come
1: out in 2019, I think was yeah, like when it was actually been set done for, for a release a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So Mel Gibson, what do we think about Mel Gibson at this point getting roles? How did, how do you think he came off in this movie? Was it like a good use of? I mean, in some ways it feels like a very weird role for him to have taken, but in other ways it feels like maybe he's not getting offered that much. So is it more about Joe Carnahan kind of wanting that kind of, probably that kind of factor in his movies, or or being fine with it or something? I don't know. What do you think of Mel? I mean,
0: take it or leave it. I yeah. mean, it really, really wasn't like a Mel Gibson thing. Like I could have been anybody to me. Yeah, and uh, I kind of feel like I, I saw that movie. Did you guys see that movie Fat Man earlier this year?
2: Yeah, yeah. I liked. I liked him. In Fat. I thought he was good in that. Actually. I thought he was really good in Fat Man.
0: I thought that was actually pretty good use of like of Mel Gibson, like you know the, that what most people you know, think of him as. Right. Well, the problem with um, Mel Gibson
1: was never that he was a bad actor. Do you know what I mean? Like it was right, never yeah, that he. T- and so totally. he he if it weren't for his bullshit. And his flaws, he would be now coasting into that interesting, you know, l- late middle-age, early Absolutely. old guy stage of a yeah. career where you start to do kinds of interesting things. But, um, you know, he stuck to what? He did that, uh, what was that? The Mark Bart Wahlberg, uh, Will Ferrell movie. Daddy, what? Daddy's, Daddy's Home? Daddy's, Daddy's yeah. Home 2. Daddy's Home 2, right. So, I mean, that was the, and he looked like just a piece of leather in that. <laughs> So that's yeah. just how he looks. I, <laughs> I, think, that's now. Just a, like, I think so, too. Man. Weathered face. He's he has scowled a lot,
2: you know, post yeah. post racist rant, man, I he's I, I, I'm very interested in this run, man. Like I this is the thing, like if they get him, if somebody gets him, you know, as a as a cool sort of, you know, wise man in a in a good movie, I think that he can come yeah. back. I, you know, but
1: I, don't you think I, his racist rant happened before like it happened early enough that it's like somehow not in the current cycle? I- the problem but it could is still come back like Dr. Seuss, who everyone's known about for years, has just it's just come to everyone's attention. And now they're not publishing. book. I mean, which is like, you know, again, it's a step that people have been saying should be made for a while. But I remember years ago, people were talking about the racist shit in Dr. Seuss book. But it's like yeah. now's the time where people are doing things about it. So I wonder if like Mel Gibson would have the roles he's got right now if it were now that that awful
2: tape was was coming I, out. You know? I don't it's almost think like people it's... have forgotten. It's not that he was he had the racist remark. It's that he referred to black people like a pack of wolves? I, know. I mean, come that's on. That's the problem. It's not that he just said something. It's not that he just dropped the n bomb. It's like he's like here's a pack of wolves. Well, no, he said. I hope you get, you,
1: get you get raped by a pack of n bombs. You know, I mean, like oh, was, that's, he, yeah, that's yeah, that's even worse. And yeah. he said, "I'm you're, you're a c word, and I'm going to kill you and bury you in the rose garden." I mean, it was shit that yeah. was like he that's was definitely like. Now, she like definitely re- knew she was recording him, and she like yeah. provoked him as go. much as possible, <laughs> but at the same time, it was clear that this is a guy with rage issues who has a lot of hate, and at some point you go, does this guy just say every nasty thought that comes to him, but then you listen yeah. to his background, and you understand he probably does have these
2: arch-conservative views as well, yeah. so it's like... Yeah uh yeah it uh, was racist but very poetic man i gotta tell you i listened to that thing. think i was like man this like guy, i said he's a good actor he, he really should write sold, a book he really sold that career <laughs> it's destroying really good <laughs> I, I was very offended but I, was, I was also like man this guy he should have been in literary arts like he has a he has a future a pat a, a, a <laughs> very good in a arts. bed of roses like yeah maybe the rose garden
1: know. might be important in their relationship <laughs> yes
2: it's nuts but anyway, yeah, he was weird in it. He was, there's no getting around it's it. It's just weird he, to was see pho- him. he was phoning it in. He was phoning it. He was just – the cigar isn't a character. I don't know yeah. why this – it was so weird. Will Sasso randomly in it? Uh, yeah. That was Will Sasso, right? Yeah, like I that,
1: that's nuts. That's nuts. I feel like half of his scenes I bought him as like a heavy, and the other half it felt like they were trying to do some kind of sketch thing with him.
2: Um, also, Frank Grillo fat shaming everybody on the screen. Yeah. What was that about? I was surprised. Yeah. It's yeah, like, week. hey, fatty. <laughs> hey, what's up, fat neck? Hey, you need to do something about your weight. Hey, you need to stop eating carbs. Like, what? What was that? What was that? I don't.
1: Yeah, that was weird. Strange, man. So boss level. There we get. There we get. Yeah. There we get. There we get. <laughs> there, we, there, we get. That was where, there we went and there we go at the same time. There we get. <laughs> on um, Hulu today. Yeah. Yeah. What's next? That's, that's our what's review. It's that's on it. Hulu today. <laughs> it's on Hulu today. Well, I mean, I'm no, saying right. I'm recommending yeah, that. For right, all this right.
0: flaws, I think it's still a fun, yeah. you know, it's kind of fun It's an easy movie. watch. It's yeah, an easy it watch. It is. It's like, sure. yeah, yeah. This, this this is a nice little distraction. It's uh, a fun
2: movie to watch on, like, a Friday night, Saturday night. You know, you just feel like watching something yeah. that, like, that's cool. And, and the, his deaths are really funny. Like yeah. That, yeah. That, I know it sounds weird, but, like, there's some scenes that are just – When he goes through the bus window – Yeah, I laughed every time. (laughs) Well,
1: right, it's got. I mean, again, it's it's got that Palm Springs thing of when the characters just like I I just want to reset this day now, and so they do something really self destructive or you know instant death. So no, it is a, um, again, it, it and it holds up in that regard too, as far as like it's a fun. It it has its own fun sci fi spin on the whole what's going on with the looping day and everything. Like, there is, just like in Palm Springs, there's kind of a payoff to, like, what's happening um, that's worth sticking around for. So, yeah, definitely. So we're saying go ahead, I guess. I I, I think, I I see, a lot of movies now would be wait for it, but since everything's at home now, I I think I've lost wait for it. So I feel like everything for me is a soft go ahead, which means... (laughs) i don't know i've lost uh i've lost my bearings guys you guys are gonna have to tell me if i've gotten too uh wishy-washy about these movies but. no 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 I here's can't my new review you're, saying... you're gonna watch it if you're gonna watch it that's my new review <laughs>
2: it's just a shoulder shrug yeah. at this point yeah but, shrug emoji yeah. <laughs> okay so what, what else what else What's next we what else
1: were we gonna talk about were, were we gonna talk about boogie yeah yeah yes boogie but so, you, Boogies in the
0: theaters today. So that's a focus release coming out in theaters where theaters are open, and um, yeah. So this is uh, the directorial debut, right? Feature de- directorial debut of Eddie
2: Kwong. Yeah, DC Zone. Um,
0: DC, yeah, not far from here. Yeah. Um, most people maybe know him or him, his story or his name from Fresh Off the Boat, uh, which is a sitcom, but uh, with Randall Park, but a lot you know he's got like youtube series he's an author he's got tv series vice like he's all over the place but yeah this is his feature re- feature uh debut um what do you guys think of uh boogie
2: i man i thought that it was a really cool kind of s- small slice of life sort of struggle i mean like when i think about some of the 90s movies that i liked and and in, in 2000s like coming of age films yeah I think that this captured New York in a cool way um you know we I, I, you know in baltimore I, I i met a lot of Asian kids that were kinda like him like the like this main character that was like boogie that were very like in touch with yeah. you know in- in touch with culture you know the the surrounding culture cool as hell. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't know anyone that play played basketball, but this is a cool story. I think that his family dynamic and all the characters you know, in in that dynamic were really cool. His brother, played by Eddie, um, his isn't mom it, and dad isn't
0: his? It, his uncle? Oh, he's his Eddie, uncle. Eddie's his. I think it's his uncle. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was one of the parents' brothers. Reason. I thought they said. Okay, but then maybe, the, the other maybe, maybe the fathers. I think because he picked okay, them up. Okay, so, so his so his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But um. I I thought it was a cool coming of age story. It was solid, you know. It, it was, was like yeah. a
1: little paint by numbers, but you talk about all the things that made it different from what we've seen before, the and, and that makes it really I don't know. It's like there's a formula that works with a sort of sports or yeah. whatever you want to call it, self actualization, coming of age. There's lots of ways this movie could be put into a category, um, yeah. and I don't know. You, you know, the they're obvious reasons it's different I mean there's there are cultural aspects stories that we haven't seen family dynamics that we haven't had a window into typically um in these movies that can become kind of cookie cutter so I mean if you freshen them up with with characters and situations that feel real in a, in a way that's that that's deserving you know in a way of like okay yeah. wow this is a cool this is yeah. a cool difference it makes you realize how samey same those types of movies have been um but I thought it did a pretty good job of navigating that little tricky path of like well how predictable is every you know coming of age sports movie going to be like what's the dynamic what's the what's the you know like it's a it's rocky it's it's whatever it's like is the guy gonna win is he gonna lose is it gonna be predictable what's gonna be the victory what's gonna be the loss Um, and I think that uh, yeah again I thought it did a pretty good job of giving you like Goalposts you wanted to see for the character and and how those mattered maybe more than some of the tangible things that were going on but you know interesting group of characters and I think it kept it small and it's it's I mean it's very relatable stuff it's all about like that stage of your life where you're you're you know what are your opportunities going to be uh, what yeah. path are you going to go on and you can see and the self destructive nature of the character I think gives us a lot of tension um, but you also see how he's not so much self destructive as misunderstood and I think that you know just makes for an interesting character. Like you start off thinking maybe he's a little smug and pompous and you end up understanding a lot more of why he's that way and what, how hard he has to work, you know, to maintain what he was yeah. expected of him. So,
0: yeah, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I pretty much agree with you guys. I think that I wish it would have focused a little more on the family stuff. Like, I feel like that, that yeah. is kind of like the, the, like the movies kind of starting and ending with this like story of the, of the parents and like, you know, the future that was predicted for them and you know the future that they have and I, I kind of wish we would have seen a little more of the family dynamic outside of you know these dinner sequences like where it it, it really is just about like you know uh, an argument or the future that he has or doesn't have in, in basketball um, so I, I wish I would have been able to see more of their dynamic together especially the mother and the father um, and kind of how much tension there was there because I really did like all those scenes a lot um, but yeah it's interesting because like I think it's For everybody that knows Eddie, you know, from, you know, as a chef or restaurant, like I said earlier, like they also know like his love of, you know, hip hop and basketball, like seeing that in a movie, it's like makes sense that this would be like his first film that he makes when he's able to make one. And I do like the idea that you're seeing things that you don't normally see in these movies, Um, you know, like these ultimate awesome successful endings like which, you know, and I'm not spoiling the movie in any way, but I will say that like. I think it does a really great job of talking to how sometimes these stories end in a successful manner, but not at the paramount of what you see in a lot of these sports movies. Mm -hmm. But that's that is still a massive success to this person. Yes. You know, like I think the scope is really what works, you know, when we get to the end of this movie. And I like that it's kind of pulled back a little bit where we don't get the ultimate ending for this guy. But you still have an ending that kind of gives him a lot as a character, as a person, as a professional, mm-hmm. you know, as a basketball player. You know, that's what we want to see him doing or not do. And I, I like how we get to that conclusion. And um, it's it's not absolutely the Rocky moment or you yeah. know the Rudy moment or yeah. whatever you want to compare it to. Um, so I did really like that. I liked him, you know, the main character, um, the actor. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, But yeah, I I thought Boogie was good, man. Like, I Mm -hmm. I was, again, I didn't really know too much about it uh, besides Eddie's involvement uh, in getting it made. And uh, yeah, this is a a recommend
1: also for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's another easy watch, frankly. I mean, it's another, and it's also for this type of movie, it also is short, like 90 minutes or so for this one as well, which you, I mean, this type of movie is almost always. 2 hours. Cracking yeah. 2 hours, you know, yeah. and and also has a whole lot more in it. And I do think that maybe that if that it had, had more of the family stuff, that's the kind of movie we would have gotten. But I th- I know what you mean, Steve, that those scenes were particularly interesting. I I really liked the scene where a scout is about to come visit the house and they're yeah. setting up for the scout. That scene was like funny and kind of revealed so much about the the mom and the dad. And you know, even throughout the movie, you're getting a feel for how the movie's presenting their relationship in a way that's very stark and very bracing, but you're not really meant to have like clear, simple feelings about what's happening with his family. You're meant to just kind of yeah. realize how complicated it all is. Um, I don't know. It was, a. yeah. I yeah. want to
2: mention, uh, th- three, three quick things. Taylor Takahashi, who plays Boogie is really good. Naturalistic. I want to see him in more stuff. Taylor page has been killing it. Who plays Eleanor, his, his love interest. Mm-hmm. She's been in, uh, white boy, Rick, My Rainey's Black Bottom. She's going to be in the upcoming movie Zola, which is about the Twitter story that went viral, which is one of the most insane stories I've ever heard in my life. And the big villain in the story, Pop Smoke. Rest in peace. He was a rapper that was killed um, uh, about a A year. It's been a year. year? Jesus, man. Um, She was
1: really good in this. Yeah, She
2: was really good. Taylor Page is really good in it. Um, The hardest part... Uh, to watch was them trying to convince us that Pop Smoke could play basketball. I exactly. did not believe that that guy could play basketball. It was very apparent that he was a star that they were trying to make look yeah. like he could play basketball. Boogie was good. <laughs> Pop Smoke was like, ee, you know. But rest in peace. I thought he was good though. I thought he was a very good, a uh, super racist villain. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was. It was it was a fun <laughs> film to watch. He had did, so did, many did, racist did sna- snaps to say to him. It was crazy. <laughs>
1: I, like, I, I I didn't know if you were saying his character was racist. You were saying no, he, no, no. He was racist in the movie. Okay, Just because racist. I was wondering like if there was any cultural baggage there. But I thought yeah, he was interesting because it was it's that whole. I mean, it's reminiscent of Rocky in that there is this villain, but you yeah. also get that feeling that on some level the the villain is in this like there is some there is something more to it. There's a little exchange or two that shows you that it's you know it's for lack of a better way of putting it, it's all in the game. You know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely absolutely and it's about
1: earning respect and i don't know it it was a nice yeah kind of a heartwarming movie in some ways which is yeah. weird because it's got some pretty rough scenes in it but uh it does um no boogie i guess we're all saying uh that's a good head
2: it's that, yeah that's a, absolutely yeah. go ahead see that
1: now coming to america is are we doing week? this are we doing okay. this okay <laughs> I think, I think I think let, I let's let's talk about the other one first.
0: L- okay. Let's save that for the end. OK, let's save that okay. for the end. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's right. We're going to do. The let's show. come to that at the end of the show. OK. All right. OK, um, let's come to. That's what I'm saying. Dingity, ding, ding, um, ding, ding. Yeah. So let's talk about the Netflix series, the Murder Amongst the Mormons. Yeah, so mm-hmm. this came out. This came out Wednesday, the, the third. This is the one that I mentioned earlier. So this is on Netflix now. Um This is like a three-part docu-series. I know Jared, uh, was it Jared Hess? Yeah, Jared Hess. Jared Hess and um, Tyler is are the co-directors of the series. But um, this is basically about a bombing in 1985. um, Kind of all centered around like a collection of um, LDS, uh, Latter-day Saint documents, historical documents, books. There was like this little group that was like collecting and trading them and buying them and there was an event in 85 in October where um, a building was bombed and then it was a bomb at a home and a lot of stuff happens and it's like this series is basically following the circumstances around that around the Mormon religion Latter-day saints and ultimately you know revealing who was responsible for that bombing and uh, the implications of that and kind of how it impacted the religion the following the the community that it happened in and all that stuff, you know, three yeah. episodes, roughly about I guess an hour each, just yeah. under an hour each, about three hours. Um, totally, yeah, and I think we should kind of stay away from spoiling anything for yeah. anybody that didn't know the story. Mm. I, I knew about it before I saw it. Um so I didn't but I do think there's a there's a focus on not spoiling um the
1: story. Yes, so there's I, like a world within the world that, yeah. that this that this show reveals and I think yeah spoiling that for the viewer would be spoiling the fun of watching it. But but you're right that it centers around these documents and like why they're important and why why people are trading them and stuff. And that part is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I only saw like an episode and a half of this, but you know, I thought it was I mean, you know, you hear the word murder in the title of something and there's always like right now there's so much of these true crime things, that documentary series that you go like, is this a good one or is this one of those that's going to yeah. peter out and not be that interesting? I would say at three episodes, being halfway into it, I'm, I'm still pretty engrossed. And I think the story warrants warrants the time it's being given yes. and the storytelling yeah. moves at a clip. And it's telling me, like I said, it is a world within the world. It is something I didn't or I'd heard about but never knew just how intense this uh, this world could be, you know. It reminds you of things you hear about Scientology. I yes. think Mormonism is still like a recent enough. It's it's got a recent enough vintage as a as a denomination or a faith that the origins of it are still very human and still very mired in like human interaction and human artifacts and stuff. So I think there's this room to be like, oh yeah, there's like, you know, there's like an organization behind this behind this church that that's very powerful and possibly kind of scary. So. It's wild, yeah. What did you think, Ronald? Did you have a chance to check it out?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I watched it. I mean, anybody, anybody that knows me knows I have a real problem with documentaries in general, mostly yeah. because anybody can make a documentary. And some of it just is some mm-hmm. of it is loose, honestly. And some of it has to do with like uh, parties involved with the story being involved in the documentary. And yes. that is kind of what. Makes me uncomfortable. I don't want a story told with people that aren't involved with the story. I don't want it. Unless it's something that's like. It, See, it I feel has the opposite
1: a, way. I feel like if people involved are telling the story, you get like. Well, you get not, something that's like. That's questionable. I don't, that, that doesn't I don't have the objectivity
2: te- you kind of want. I don't mean them telling it, but in it. So much, like I, oh, I, I don't yeah. need. I'm, yeah, I just mean like I know what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. If you're talking about an event, you should at least have two or three people that have been. You it, gotta get close there.
1: to what you're talking about. Yeah. unless they've been right? blown up,
2: you yeah. know. Unless they've been blown up, you know. That, that's a, that's a different thing. So I have a real hard time accepting sometimes when somebody presents to me a, a a story that has no none of the people that were in it involved in any way, shape, or form, given any like firsthand account of what happened or any of that stuff. This is the opposite. This this comes from a perspective that I think is really interesting. Like um, the the parties involved are the direct parties involved, the people that can speak, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this story is honestly something that should be made into a film. It is so strange. Yeah, it and could so be made rude. into like an HBO series. I
1: think you yeah. could do like a like an intrigue in uh, yeah <laughs> in the Mormon Church kind of story.
2: The the level of deception, I'll say that. The level of deception that goes into the acts that are committed in this documentary are insane. And the fact that the the, the product of some of the things that he's done are, are still out there in the world is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was so... Un- can you imagine... That's all I'm going to say. It's yeah. a it's a cool documentary. It's a cool I, doc- I was going to
0: say like I think I think recently like the Netflix uh docu series on the on the Cecil Hotel got a little bit of flack about like the being drawn out and like having the information yeah, it wanted man. to say and just kind of wasting some time. And if you knew the episodes, story, especially, you knew that right, it was doing exactly. That right. And I knew exactly. the story. Yeah. So. And I mean, even knowing this story, for the most part, I didn't know. I didn't know all of that that mm-hmm. I learned watching this docu series. Mm-hmm. But I think even knowing the story, I feel like this is a well-paced. It is well informed. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like that series to me. Like which yeah. I thought was an interesting thing to note because I've heard a lot of people say that about the Cecil series. That should have been a movie. Um, the Cecil right, thing should right. have been a
1: documentary, link, just a movie link thing, and it would have been about right. But yeah, it was right. really stretched out by too much. <clears throat> and I think
0: like this- it's also interesting, like you know, coming from a filmmaker. Or, you know, I'm not sure about the co-director, but I know Jared Hess is 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 is, is a lot Latter- you know he's from that religion. Like he grew up that mm-hmm. way. His dad was a bishop. Like he has you know he's still in that community or at least you know has connections to it so i think the interesting thing about this whole story is just like that some of the documents that are at the center of this whole thing are documents that were very controversial in the religion and like that were making people question the you know joseph smith and like how it was founded and what exactly happened and how it came to be so i think that like the the natural riff that this was basically um making happen within it um is an element that really kind of speaks to what you said before about like who the person is making it in this case i think somebody who you know was a part of it not directly but in this in this following or in this religion i think that's an interesting thing to think about is that like they are talking about you know the questions around the documents that were at the center of this whole thing you know Mm. they're talking about the the the, the white salamander documents you know Mm. and these uh these collections that were kind of uh, all a, all a part of what what happened, so I thought it was really intriguing that you know a filmmaker like him that most people just know from Napoleon Dynamite, uh, you know, has this history and you know he has like this basis in this faith and and this following that you know to explore it in three episodes I thought was a really nice amount of time to spend learning about it, and yeah, like the people that are they're, they're, the access to the people that they're interviewing is direct like i loved that it was like talking to all of the people that they could access that were like at the center of what was happening you know you're not talking to a lot of like third hand things you know like sometimes you get a yeah. lot of that in these docuseries because of access you know fortunately a lot of the people that they talk about are still here and they talk and they have a lot to say and i thought that was really interesting yeah yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, this is this is a definite recommend for me. Yeah. I thought this series Same.
1: Was great.
2: Solid man, it was yeah. it was.
0: I, I'd recommend finishing it, John. Like it's um, no, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's uh, really good.
1: As soon as we finish recording, Nikki's coming back downstairs and yeah. we're gonna finish it up because she was yeah, like, it's Again, it's these we watch. You, I think you watch these too, Steve. I know you're not as sucked in by him, typically, Ronald. But I think you watch whenever there's like a new crime doc on Netflix, you might watch yeah. it. Or you and I don't know if you and Aaron kind of make a note like, "Oh, there's one this weekend. We can watch this this show." You can tell like a couple episodes in when you're getting kind of groggy and you're like, I'm just not that pulled forward by this. You know, this is like this is really almost could be a movie, but I'm glad they gave it the extra time of giving it three hours rather than two, because there is a lot of detail. I don't know how this one wraps up, but I feel like this one is moving at a nice clip thus far. So, you know, three episodes feels about right. I do want to mention there's another documentary. It's just kind of on the heels of this talking about this, like who's behind it and who's making it. Um, Did either of you watch Kid 90? yes okay
0: uh no, no okay i'm not gonna I, I didn't say, watch it i'm not gonna say but anything I think there's an embargo on it though
1: uh, i thought it was up this week maybe it is i know it doesn't come out till next week uh well i'll sure. cut this out if it's if it's not up but all i'm going to say is this to me is the case of a, kid 90 is one where like there may be some interesting footage in there but she's too close it's like it's not she's just too close. too close it's not a movie it's like you no. need someone to come in and make this into something if you're going to do this. It feels it feels like weirdly self serving and and weirdly like something that should have been a private therapy session and not yeah. a movie. But what there is that's a, that's movie worthy in it feels like it's presented in kind of a weird, slightly like almost like she doesn't almost because it is like produced by directed by. You know, she's the main face in it. I feel like she starts telling you what she's learned from the experience of making this documentary about halfway into it. And then there's like five oh, talking wow. heads of her saying, you know, watching this footage, I just really realized I didn't notice at the time what my friends were going through. But she says that so many times. It's only like an hour and 10 minutes long. And it feels like twice that long. The, oh, no. the, the really interesting stuff, though, and you might agree, Ronald, like early on, there's some footage, like just behind the scenes footage of the group of friends she was running with. That's like an insane group of like. Hollywood stars, like kid stars, you know. Just and then I think some of the present day interviews she gets with some of those people, Mark Paul Gosselaar, Brian Austin Green. I mean, these aren't people that I think about that much, but their experience as child stars is kind of interesting to me, like what that feels like. Uh, and I think it's interesting to think, well, maybe she got conversations and answers out of them that uh, that a, a director of documentaries might not have gotten because the, she goes back with them. But it almost right. felt like. She called all of her most famous friends, and they, they they helped her out by doing like a day. And did you notice, Ronald, that like it didn't look finished? Like the the video quality from shot to shot wasn't consistent, and some of the audio seemed kind of unfinished. I mean, it really to me yeah. was like someone might be able to spin this into something, but it it's, it's really hindered by who's behind it, you know? And, yeah. and like yeah. the fact that she's making it as almost a vanity project. Like I'm almost surprised yeah. that it's coming out – as widely as it is, uh, you know, it's coming out because of the Punky Brewster reboot.
0: Yeah, right. I guess so. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm you're, gener- you're right too. It, it, the embargo was yesterday or the day okay. before. So
2: yeah. So I. That- yeah, I felt, felt kind of similar, man. That like, there's j I've generally like if 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 you're watching it for mm-hmm. the for the purpose of being entertained, and you're not looking at this at some documentaries as like a factual take on some of this stuff, that's cool. But sometimes. For some people, this is all of the exposure that they're getting to the subject matter, right? right. And so it has to have some balance. Or if, it's, if it has a perspective, it should tell you right up front, we think this person is guilty. We don't mm-hmm. like this person. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is the thing. Like, it, it, you know, I watch I watch a lot of documentaries. My girl watches a ton of murder documentaries, like, uh, like marathons them. Like, yeah. she'll, she goes to sleep to them, in fact. She goes on Peacock and then watches hours of them. Which I think is cool, but we do you that know, too. I, we
1: fall asleep all the time with like
2: some A and E show running
1: on some streaming right. service, and then, then you she wake was up. thrown off of a yeah. building. Right. You're like,
2: "Oh my god, <laughs> why are you go to sleep to this?" Um, but yeah, I, I think that this this Mormon documentary has some direction and perspective, yes. but it doesn't feel overbearing. Whereas Kid ninety feels a lot more. I mean, she's. Look, I'm not going to spoil. She 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 exposes a lot and she has she says some things that I wasn't expecting her to say. No,
1: there's a, and there are some sections that are very poignant and and affecting. And yeah, there's a absolutely. whole thing about her developing and her breast reduction and stuff like that that is the way that it's told, it again it feels very timely, but it still yeah. feels like it's lacking that perspective or that polish that you want. A, a good documentary to have it almost felt like some kind of publicity materials more so than a movie. You know, it felt like EPK or bonus materials on a disc or
2: something. It didn't feel like it was put together to be a movie. Um, she should have given it to an editor. I mean, like, yeah, this, it's 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 the the footage is incredible, Steve. Like, it's interesting to see those no, kids running it, around. I am not wait. It. I, I'm, I'm excited. When you to see, see, it. It. When you see yeah. how casually she talks about some of these people, yeah, it, it is going to blow your mind and then you see, it, the, see them in the footage like just hanging yeah. out and stuff because it, it's it, people yeah. you know but then it's yeah. like i didn't know she knew that person yeah, i didn't yeah, know yeah. that this person was that like trying to like be in her 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 space yeah like it's yeah. just that
1: cool no that part of it's really interesting like there's about 40 minutes of like genuine like oh that's like you said ronald oh i didn't know she hung out with them or i didn't realize yeah. that while she was off camera not being famous she was kind of running around doing these things with people you've heard of But then the other 20, 25, 30 minutes is her in like, (laughs) with like a gauze over the lens where everything looks kind of faded, uh, talking about the experience of learning from watching this footage. You know, it just, it's really out of of balance with that. But anyway, that was just, I was just making the comparison that you kind of put the bow on, Ronald, which is that that is an example of a documentary that, that lacks shape. Uh, Murder among the Morgan, among the Mormons, among the Mormons. uh, has the has opposite the of that. Shit. It's got a lot of shape and it's actually got a lot to say, a lot of story <laughs> yeah. to it too. You know. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's on. Yeah, that's on Netflix now. Three part docu series. A murder amongst the Mormons. So you check. The, cool. I, I think we all recommend that one. Um, so yeah, the last one that we're going to talk about tonight. think we, we come just, like, to our finest. Yeah, yeah. Final we'll, we'll, movie? Just, we'll, we'll hang on to this one to the end. This this is um, coming to America, which is out today on Amazon Prime. Uh, this was a pretty big deal. And I, I want to mention real quick before we get even to talk about the movie. Mm. So this week or no, last week, um, we kind of skipped news today. But real as it relates to this title, there's something very interesting about the whole announcement of Paramount Plus launching this week. Mm. And the logic of them having Coming to America and not releasing it when Paramount Plus launches. But instead selling it to Amazon. And there's there's probably a lot to unpack there because that's like a that's like a, a blockbuster title in ways you know what I mean to a lot of people to a lot of studios like that's what it was going to be uh, to Paramount until they sold off like basically all their movies during the pandemic. But it was it was it very interesting to me that during that presentation they talked about all these movies that they held that mm-hmm. they were gonna wait to release in theaters and some maybe coming out on uh, Paramount Plus after a certain window. But it's it was pretty striking to me to think that on the day after they launched their new branded service, which they don't even really have that much content for, new content, the day after Amazon's releasing their huge Eddie Murphy, you know, cl- comedy classic sequel, you know, however many years later. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there.
2: What you guys thought of that before we even got into the movie? I mean, it's very telling. Um, yeah. I I guess. I, what I really want to know before we start talking about it, on top of that, so I think I think it's very telling about how they felt about the movie, right? To to like, I don't I don't see a a, a bit of Paramount branding on this movie when I when we started watching it. Uh, right? Did you see anything about Paramount when, yeah. when
1: the film started? Yeah, yeah it's actually yeah. So got the mountain in. It's, it's they one of those it where does? They, they produced it. So but it's also got the one of those stuff. where like they they make the mountain part of the opening of the movie too. The yeah. Paramount yeah. mountain becomes like the part of the scene. So yeah, they really lean into it.
2: <clears throat> okay, so I think
1: Paramount was proud of this movie when they were making it, and maybe okay. I'm tipping my hand <laughs> about how I might feel. But I, how do you yeah. guys
2: feel about the original? Coming to America. I guess that's what I'm curious about because that yeah. that plays a part in all of this. I mean, right? I think it, like I, I
1: think it's one of those movies that I feel like I remember it fondly, and I feel like most people probably do for some reason. It's kind of a cable classic. I feel like it was all over like Comedy Central or yeah, whatever I when really I was like and, coming to I've seen it yeah, probably yeah. thirty times or something, and I've seen <laughs> scenes from it a hundred times. Right, right. I just yeah. think it's one of those kind of – it's a comfort food movie. It's hard for me to say how I feel about it as a movie, but I think that it works, right? I mean, and it's like Eddie – a strong point for Eddie. It's got some funny, funny stuff in it with the barbershop guys and the different characters. Arsenio Hall's really good in it. I don't know. I feel like uh, – He's great in it. Yeah, I mean, I feel, like, um, I feel like I feel like Coming to America – I mean, I, I don't know if the argument of does it hold up. Uh, I don't know, but do, it, is do I like it? Yeah, I think it, I. I mean, I think it's a it's a solid movie, and it would definitely be in my if I was making a list of successful Eddie Murphy vehicles, I would definitely put it in that list. So okay,
2: cool, yeah, I'm, I think pretty highly of it too, man. It's a it's a it was a great movie that kind of allowed Eddie and Arsenio to be super funny and had some emotional beats that I really enjoyed. So coming fresh in off of this, fresh off of this, the first one. So they made a they made a quickie fresh sequel to it.
1: <laughs> fresh off of yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Fresh yeah. off
2: of it.
1: 30, fresh 30, thirty years. Fresh two off of it. years three. Years. So is that? I mean, what do we think of that? that? Like the comedy sequel thing? We've talked about this with a lot of movies. There's a there's a window during right. We are now in the time where everything's getting a sequel and everything's getting things that you didn't think would get a part two are getting a part two. So that is mm-hmm. something to consider. But generally, I do think there's something about sequels that they kind of need need to come. Much later, when people are really hungry for something, or it needs to be when people are still sort of feeling the vibe. And I just don't know if this movie, like, yeah, why now? Uh, I think, you know, Paramount Plus might be the reason. I mean, who knows why now? I'm sure Eddie Murphy, he seems like he's trying to remind people, like, going on Saturday Night Live and doing different things. He's trying to kind of get back into, like what we used to think of him in a way it seems but I don't know I don't know what motivated this movie now I don't know why because I know it probably had been kicked around for a long time and probably had different scripts and oh, yeah. different versions over yeah, the years yeah, so yeah. wasn't Tracy Morgan supposed to play his son at some yeah. point and then he kind of aged out of doing that right right
0: yeah I don't know like I, I, I think it's like a We've seen too many bad examples of like waiting too long um or it, i don't or if this is this this is this is even longer than some of the ones i'm thinking yeah of. zoolander too zoolander you know Two-lander. um anchorman like things that are like you know yeah. so 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 long you know even if it's like 10 years or whatever this is you know you're talking 30 some years or 30 ish years um so this could be, fall into the category that you're saying, like, where it's been long enough that people just want to see more of something. Yeah. Or just seeing like, people older like has it's, got some novelty to right. it or something or whatever. But it's kind of weird though. Cause like, yeah, like, uh, you've been hearing about this for a while. Just like we've been hearing about like another Beverly Hills cop sequel, you know, forever, you know, the movie. Um, but what's really weird. Is that like, you know, it, You see Eddie being present in other ways And like you get this You know You get a reminder of like How great he really is Mm -hmm. Like Dolomite was great Like he is great in that Like and it's kind of crazy Yeah To me You know just to start it off That like this comes out A year and a half-ish later and um this does not feel like any good version of Eddie Murphy to me at all.
1: No, he he's honestly he kinda disappears from the
0: movie to some Yeah, he's extent. not he's not in the movie a whole whole like, lot. Like I made a point and,
1: later to like he's Akeem is in New York City like learning about rideshare when like the coup is happening back home. And, and his, right. his, 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 I, I'm just, that to me was like, wow, this movie really does not know what to do with this character uh, at, at a yeah, certain no. point. I realized that. And I realized, oh, that is why I'm not getting a lot of Eddie Murphy uh, from this. You know, he, he had a couple of funny turns or funny lines in the barbershop character. Those, some of those, some of those line readings, there were a couple of jokes that made me laugh in that, you know, with those funnier characters. But even that stuff felt kind of like wedged in and reheated and like, yeah. let's get as much of this. Like, there's like them showing up at the end. I guess I'm trying not to spoil things, but like, characters showing up
2: where they shouldn't ought to be
1: <laughs> in movies
0: right. is kind of random. Just to have yeah. that character in it. Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, I have kind of an obsessive amount of uh, love for Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, okay, so we talk about sequels and remakes a lot. And I think that the bottom line is that. You don't love the person if you would do this to them. I know that sounds weird, but I I, I don't think this is a time thing. I think this is like uh, it's almost like if if I know you two, right, I know who, I know who you guys are. And you, you may have slipped on a on a on some ice one time. And every time I come to you, Steve, I bring up that you fell on ice. I'm like, Steve, you don't want to fell on ice. That's essentially how this script was written. It was written like it was a highlight reel of things that happened the first time.
1: Yeah, and I don't. Const, constant, I think constant callbacks and like yeah. callbacks to callbacks and
2: yeah, you don't you don't understand how this what made this movie work if you write it like that. It it can have the same feel and not retread. I I think right. that some right. of the coolness was the quirkiness of Prince Akeem. It mm-hmm. wasn't the fact that he was like a it was fish out of water, but he was also like he was strange in in his home. Like he was he was kind of an odd character. Yeah,
1: he was kind of a uh, kind of a dorky character. Yeah, it was which kind Eddie of a Murphy dorky. Murphy excels ca- at
2: you know. He was kind of a dorky character yeah. everywhere. It wasn't the fact that he was like it wasn't the fish out of water thing. It was the fact that he was kind of weird everywhere. Like yeah. wherever he went, he was kind of the odd man out. But he was he was lovable enough. He was interesting enough. And I, I, I'm serious, man. I don't think any. I think if if a Coming to America two came out two years after that one came out and did this, I I think this still would have been represent representative of the problem with sequels. And some of that is like, people want a remix of that. People want people don't want to see you do the exact same movie, the exact same beats at the exact same. You could time it to a T. The the things that they were trying to oh they're like oh this is that character doing this instead of Akeem doing this part this is it and three musical numbers during the movie three or four yeah right. it was three or four crazy. no no yeah it was it four it felt really padded it was four four because I forgot about the other the other one towards the end why would that exist why should that exist the first one did not I mean like it was awful man it was awful Aaron yeah, this, was this is losing her yeah. mind. Like I I, I I I love that movie, but I don't love it as much as my wife. Yeah, my wife was melting down. That was a point where she was just like, "I am going to turn it off." I'm like, "We got to see this through." Yeah, we, I, maybe I, it'll get better. You you were duty bound to watch it. She she yeah, got left. <laughs> it also
0: has like, did you guys also feel like it like really felt like cheap? Yeah, like like yeah. every scene like felt like the idea of having it take place in Zamunda like. Every scene felt like a really bad green screen shot. Like everything looked really cheap and fake and yeah. like for for a big production like that, like and to make that decision to bring it back there and have a lot of the movie take place there, it didn't really feel like they really capitalized on any kind of like set or like real set no, or yeah. like environment or world like that they could be living or even to shoot something on location. You know, like it just felt like a lot of shortcuts were happening in this movie and even like some of like the makeup and some of the characters that they're in like the makeup even like i don't think really holds up compared to even some of the costumes that they used in 88 yeah you know like some of the characters like look i don't think look good in this movie like you know that they're that we're getting this like second helping of like some of them just look kind of weird and maybe that's because they're older i mean i'm sure it is yeah Yeah. but i mean i'm just talking just the straight up makeup nature of like how good it looks on the screen um, which again well, is weird because this is the same director that did Dolomite. Like he brought him from there to this, and uh, and I like Craig Brewer. Like, but it, this yeah. just does not work, man. And I have a feeling that it doesn't work because
1: the eddy of it all is that the eddy of it all. I mean, is that it? I mean, I just I, I, I found I myself really pondering like, what is it about this that's feeling so kind of Jermaine flat? Jermaine Fowler was terrible oh. in it too, man. Was he? Uh, uh, Fow- was he Lavelle? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. He's his son. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah,
1: he, yeah, he didn't make much of an impression. A lot, a
0: lot of it doesn't work. I just feel like you watch a movie that like we talk about this a lot. Like you know, mm. filmmakers and actors getting together. Like where the actor or the filmmaker, whoever, vice versa, doesn't have the capability of like running all over the production. Yeah. Or and I'm not saying that I think Eddie Murphy is that way but he does have a reputation of being that way for past movies he's been in and this is a property that I you know he has like a real strong tie to and has been trying to re, ha, trying to make this sequel for years um and you know for it to finally happen and to happen with Brewer who has a very kind of eclectic like filmography and coming off of Dolomite which is such a strong screenplay and like a well acted shot film this just feels like there there was something happening where the the director of it was not being able to be the director. Yeah, it feels like, really like, anonymous. they brought him in to be. Yeah, it feels very generic. It does not feel like it has a touch like he yeah. has on a lot of his films. Um, and that, that's kind of what makes me feel like there's just something else happening. I don't know if it's Eddie. I don't know. I mean, there's tons of stories about Eddie, you know, in some of his movies... Most notably Vampire in Brooklyn. You can read those stories, the oral history of that, which I think we talked about that before, Ronald, didn't we? We did. That 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 crazy article they did about it. But I mean, like, yeah. he he definitely is like he's an all-timer. I love Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's one yeah, of my yeah. favorites. Like, no one is gonna argue that. Like, I love seeing him whenever I can see him. Um, and in the past few years, we've been able to see him more, funny enough, and he's been really good in most of those things. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like this for being what property it is and the time spent waiting for it, and to feel like, oh, it's finally going to come out, I don't understand why this is what's coming out. It doesn't like, feel it like does. a victory it lap at all. It does not work at all. Did, um, did
2: you know that yeah. on his media run, um, Eddie Murphy mentioned that there was another director that wanted to do this movie? Did you hear about this? Ryan Kugler. I mean, oh, wow. Ryan Kugler pitched a, a Coming to America to him, and Eddie kind of slandered it. He's like, I didn't like the, the feel of the idea that he had. I didn't think it was a good idea. But I can't help but wonder if Ryan Coogler could have made an incredible movie.
1: Well, I mean, hasn't Eddie's career gone into this weird place where he's done this kind of safer stuff or stuff that's just not funny in the way that he used to be? And is it because uh, of that kind of control and maybe that kind of like not knowing quite how to stretch out? I mean, I know that sounds rough because I'm sounds like I'm critiquing this guy who I think is a great artist, but it does seem like the one of the reasons why Dolomite clicked so well for folks is because it felt like he was being funny in that way that that he's that he excels, that fast talking thing. But yeah. it was put to use in an actual character. And it was a filmmaker that had an actual kind of story to try to tell around this character. And it's so often it does feel like he's in something that is like either like a family movie that's very you know, that just doesn't feel like it has room for his his wild creativity and energy in it, you know? And this movie yeah. kinda has that safe as milk kind of quality to it too. Like mm. if even if it had clicked, it's going for something very very much like, Hey, remember Coming to America? Like you said, Ronald. Oh, remember everything about that movie? Here's a little little extra spin on it. But now Eddie Murphy is basically a secondary character in the story. Um, yeah. and he's almost like to the point where, honestly, like I said, like he's he's relatively useless to the point where late in the movie you're realizing that he's literally done nothing of that shows any kind of growth. Like Even at the end of the first movie, he seems to have grown more than he has yeah. in this movie. And so you realize yeah, it's been sure. 30 years of him doing nothing, and he's now motivated. I don't know. It just feels like this movie doesn't know how to set his story up, doesn't know how to create new new story for him without setting him back in, in a way. Um, so, yeah. I think I, I think I agree with you guys. What, was, what are some things that did work for you, or that maybe made you laugh, or, or jokes that worked, or something? Let's talk about the positives.
2: Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Wesley, Wesley Snipes, Snipes, man, his strut.
1: <laughs> that's what I wrote down. When he strut, the first time they clear the path for him, and he's yeah, so up, he's having so much fun, and he's but he's legitimately good. And he, that voice he's that he's good. doing is funny. Like he's doing something we've seen before, a character we've seen before, but he's doing like a very. A funny satirical take on a kind of warlord character that we may have seen in a movie yeah. I, I agree I, I had him down on the list of three things that made me laugh uh, in this
2: movie he's great <laughs> yeah um, Tracy Morgan yeah I thought Tracy Morgan was funny and I thought um Leslie Jones Leslie, Leslie Jones was funny yeah I, I just think that these things aren't enough. Like She's kind of stranded the... with this
1: character that might be funnier in a movie that had more story or more of a point, you know? Yeah. She almost seems like she's going to be an antagonist. I guess I'm kind of glad that they didn't do that, but I did find myself very close to the end realizing that even Wesley Snipes was like was too likable of a character to be much of an antagonist. Yeah. So this movie's kind of <laughs> conflict-free, but I guess that's in the spirit. I mean, you know, it doesn't need to be like... It would have been stupid if it had been like a fight scene at the end that settled yeah. everything. Um, I can't remember what the other things I laughed at were, though. Yeah, I mean, I didn't laugh at much. No, I didn't to either. Be honest. That's like I said, there uh, were literally three things.
2: Um, I just feel bad that. Oh, I know. Like I know when when people see this, I'm. You know, we were talking about this. We're very curious to see how people, yeah, there. accept this or or don't accept it. It's just. Go ahead, John. What, what, do, oh, you the, the, what do you, what I you say? I just don't want to. Be, At the
1: barbershop, there's the guy that that they kind of get into a little scuffle with, and he storms out. And as he's leaving, he's giving his money to Eddie's character, and Eddie mm-hmm. says, "Don't put money in my hand, all rough." <laughs> 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 That's
2: good. That's Yo, good. he he knows things that are funny, man. He well, does, sure, obviously. Even like, even his
1: delivery of "I rather enjoyed being on Fleek." That was the other thing that I chuckled yes. that I wrote down. I thought yes. that, but again, and that's what you're talking about, Ronald. That line is Akeem, that dorky yeah. like. But I but I liked that. Like the, the yeah, movie's yeah. list, uh, the movie is missing that silliness. I think uh, it is for the most part.
2: Yeah, man. It, it was it was a cork to it that just didn't exist in this movie. That was replaced with like almost like slapsticky stuff. Yeah, and I think that like I liked that. Wesley Snipe's character was kind of heightened, but it yeah. felt like everybody. It, the, the thing about coming to America, everybody wasn't like that. No. There were a couple characters that were like that, but everybody is dialed up to like a crazy degree, trying to be funny. That's the thing. Trying yeah. to be funny. I liked Louis Louis Anderson's yeah. scene in the original. When he's talking about moving up and, you know, and McDowell's, that to me was so funny. It's it's the simplicity of somebody in this world just being like you know i can move up and i can be a manager and then after that it's just like that is what makes this movie made that movie so funny mm-hmm.
0: and there's also like this like false confidence i feel like the whole yeah. time where like in this yeah. sequel i feel like they are really going for like jokes all the time so many jokes and, and that is that is a trait of a lot of these other movies that we were talking about these sequels that were not good you know or too late or Another one that I thought of when we were talking was like the the true Dumb and Dumber sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it had the same thing where like you know, and some of the jokes or the way they're delivered, like it's just not funny that way anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I don't know. For me, this yeah, unfortunately, like you know, at the top of this this portion, like I I, I love coming to America. Like it's 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 an all timer, um, especially of Eddie's. But yeah. uh, so I, I can relate to Aaron's response, Ronald, where well, I like I devastated. I genuinely felt uh a little bit of a challenge to like really finish the movie because it just didn't work for me at all
2: yeah um Um, do yourself a favor go see the 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 pvod of um coming to america's been restored has has a 4k restore that just happened pretty recently hmm. check it out like it's it's a gorgeous film still a gorgeous film um and uh yeah, don't see this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, avoid it.
1: Yeah, I would say that. I would
0: say that. Yeah, we had a we had a pretty positive run going, and then yeah, at least. Like, let's just bring it down. Yeah,
1: and it's just ended on a
2: crazy downer of a note. Yeah, man, don't see
1: that one. So, uh, something I binged recently. I just wonder if either of you have seen or would have any thoughts about. It. Have I was you guys? Like, what else have you guys seen? Yeah, has, have either of you guys watched years and years? No. No, what's years okay. and years? It's a it's a six hour. British miniseries that's on HBO Max right now. Maybe watch it. I, I just had all kind of feel. Is that Emma Thompson's in that? She's in it, and uh, yeah. it's got um, Rory... Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear, uh, yeah, yeah, A couple yeah. of other that's people whose faces I recognize, but I don't know for sure what I've seen them in. But, uh, I mean, honestly... it. it it, it it sucked me in for the full binge, so it definitely has that going for it. But I, it definitely is one of those things. If you see it, you'll know what I mean. You definitely want to be like, I want to find someone who's seen this and find out what they thought of this or that or that that, that character and what they did. But uh, years and years, uh, I totally binged that. And it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's really interesting how it tries to react to current events and the way that it approaches a story where it starts in like the present day and then tells the next 10 to 15 years yeah, uh, and it uses montages and it's satirical and has some moments that are very over the top and crazy but it actually kind of tries to hew close to world events or things that might happen and emma thompson's character is kind of a, a trumpian sort of character a british uh, politician who's you know rising to power and i mean at times it's chilling and times it's hilarious like the commentary on like what's next now that we've seen who can become president now that we've seen who can become prime minister, what's next, what's next, you know, what world are we in? Like in this, in the world of the show, Donald Trump wins a second term and America becomes like a very, very scary uh, presence in the world. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah, interesting show. I would love to hear what you guys think of it.
0: That's on HBO Max, right? HBO Max. Yeah. So I was going to say the other one I wanted to mention that we, uh, we checked out, uh, ending of last week um, after we recorded uh, Aaron and I binged a show on HBO Max as well called The Head mm. which oh. is a uh, it's kind of like a murder mystery uh, kind of like 10 little Indians like one by one mm. they drop and it's kind of figuring out who did what when because it, it basically takes place on this like Antarctic uh, research station where in the winter months like 10 people stay because it's just like nonstop darkness. And like, they kind of stay to make sure the place keeps running and everybody else leaves. And, you know, we pick back up immediately, you know, where somebody's coming back to that period and basically everyone's dead. Some people are missing and it's kind of told through flashbacks and these competing narratives of some of the survivors. Mm. Um, but it's only six episodes. Um, and uh, we thought it was pretty great. I-, I would say like the, the, the finale, you know really kind of nails the show like it definitely maybe feels a little long but uh i had a pretty good read on what was going on and i was uh we were kind of had our theories going back and forth and uh the the show has a really kind of cool way that it kind of uh wraps up the series so i would yeah the head is on hbo max and you know i would highly recommend checking that
1: out if that sounded at all interesting to you so it's two hbo max recommends yeah then. yeah
2: i have another i have another uh the HBO lady max? in the deal. Yeah, HBO I think it's better. Problems. Better, you know. You hear what yeah. we just did? HBO Max. I think it's a HBO Max or HBO at least. Which one? The lady in the yeah. uh, The lady in the Dale. Uh, oh, about yeah, Liz HBO Carmichael. Max. Have yeah. you seen it? No, no. no I, but people have been talking about this it. like crazy. Is it? Is it good? Steve, John, it is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. It is. It is. The story of Liz Carmichael and this car company with this. Car that was supposed to be two thousand dollars. It is the Dale is such an interesting story because I've always heard about the Dale in some way, shape, or form. And people say like Pintos, and then every once in a while you hear, oh, it could be like the Dale. Yeah, one of the most interesting story about one of the most charismatic, smart people that I've ever heard of. You know, some people sometimes you hear about people that kind of come into power and don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Liz Carmichael deserves every bit of fame, every bit of fortune, every bit of craziness. It was a lot of deception involved, but this is a crazy story with so many twists and turns. And, you know, like, I think the idea was that Liz Carmichael um, came out as trans because she was trying to, Get some sympathy, but what was happening was this transition was happening, just as she was trying to build this empire. It wasn't. It wasn't an excuse, and you find out very quickly that it wasn't an excuse. Um, it's just a cool story, and you'll feel you'll have a lot of feels about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of footage, a lot of interviews from Liz. Um, man, man, I I wasn't ready. Aaron started yeah. playing it, and I'm just like, this is. HBO is doing documentaries right. I'll say that.
0: that that's yeah, and that, I mean this is a this is a Duplass brothers' production too. So they've done a lot for HBO oh, man. Uh, with documentaries, their series, and such like that. So I've seen Mark posting a lot about this one, uh, his feed,
2: yeah, past See couple
0: it. weeks. But yeah, I definitely want to check that out. That, that See it good.
2: immediately. And I saw yeah. one more uh, documentary: uh, Patrice O'Neill, Killing Is Easy, um, a kind of a, a an account from a couple people that are around Patrice O'Neill about. His legacy and how he kind of imploded. Yeah. Honestly, like his, you know, he he had these standards of of sort of the way that he went about business, and his career honestly imploded. To be uh, you know, it's a it's a cool account. I Actually, met his wife a couple times in in New York. Um, really nice person, but it's a good documentary. Okay, you know, I,
1: I always found him uh, an interesting kind of complicated figure you know what i mean because he he was undoubtedly funny and gifted as a comedian but he also had some some real darkness to him and some i mean i think that was part of why he was a good comedian is because he was unflinching about that but no uh you're right he but it definitely was one of those people who you know it feels like they kind of burned out fast but you could almost see it
2: coming in a way the way that he yeah absolutely well that's a jam-packed episode what, what is that on ronald it's on comedy central Comedy, oh, okay. Comedy Central cool. just released it, cool. Uh, cool. pretty recently. I think you can watch. You could watch it the first couple of days for free on Comedy Central. I don't know what they're doing now, but I think okay. it's probably behind a wall right now. But yeah, okay, killing is easy. Oh, I yeah, kind of chuckled when a...
1: Trevor Noah popped up too for just a split second. That, that, that <sighs> just, just just his eyebrows. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. were kind of funny. But but yeah. th- but that also that to your point, Ronald, that felt like. The, let's be clear.
0: You're talking about coming to America. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's circle back. Yes. Not, not about <laughs> Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill's
1: documentary has Trevor about. Noah wearing yeah. false eyebrows in it. Um, yeah. No, but I was just was saying that was that maybe that was a fourth thing that got like a half a chuckle out of me when uh, he showed up. But I also think that uh, it's indicative of like the kind of sketch character that you guys are talking about that was this movie was full of, that the other yeah. movie was slightly more grounded. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, we did it. That's, That's what we watched. So, so let, let's recap real quick. So we, we started off
0: Boss Levels on Hulu today. Boogie is in theaters today where theaters are open. Uh, A Murder Amongst the Mormons is on Netflix. See docu- that series. immediately. Yeah, check that out for sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Coming to America, if you still want Don't to check it out. Don't see that immediately. That is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, and the last things that we talked about are kind of scattered, but some HBO Max series. And uh, Ronald's Patrice Stock is on uh, Comedy Central. Comps in. So yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back next week. Um, we're gonna be doing something in some capacity with the Toront- i mean, with the um, South by Southwest Film Festival. So uh, we're gonna figure out how exactly we're gonna do that coverage. But that starts—what uh, is it? The 16th? Yeah. I'm trying to do my math here. Um, 17th? I don't know. Yeah. A couple weeks from now. But in an upcoming episode, um, we're gonna definitely do some coverage of that. Check some stuff out there. And uh, so that's upcoming, so look forward to that. Uh, but next week, we'll be back with something else. We'll probably be talking about Cherry. Um, I think we discussed that. Mm. And uh, hopefully, I can check out Kid 90 uh, between now and then, and maybe I'll, we'll, we'll revisit that for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm sure something will come up between now and then, and we'll talk about that as well. I'm going to check yeah, out so The we... Head. Uh, yeah, some, yeah. Someone please who do. Has, let me know what you think of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who uh, really uh, so. it though. Uh, yeah, so MoviesMovie.com is a site. Uh, Twitter... Instagram, Facebook.com slash movie schmovie. If you follow us on YouTube, be sure to check out the Marvel Schmarvel, a uh, little side thing that we're doing every Saturday. We recorded as soon as possible after the WandaVision that we can, and it comes out over the weekend. But uh, we'll be wrapping up that series this weekend. Yeah, be one uh, of the, the select few who who
1: watches Marvel Schmarvel over on YouTube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Enjoy yeah. yeah, the club while you can still get yeah, in. Yeah, well, you can learn each other's names um, and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very personal. Uh, so that'll come out this
1: weekend.
0: Um, yeah, but we'll be back next week with a new episode. And again, we'll be talking about Cherry in the Least, the new Tom Holland Russo Brothers film coming out on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Um, you guys have anything else you want to mention real quick? Okay. Yeah, you good? So. You good? Good luck with your move, Ronald. Yeah. Hope everything goes well. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, man. I need it. All
0: right, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Bye.